So what are you snacking on tonight, Taylor? Uh, <laughs> a glass of Stranahan's whiskey with with some ice or on the rocks, as they say in professional bar, uh, bartender terms. Man, you're recovering from uh, from a, a overnight illness in style, yes. I would say. That's that is correct. Right. I am typically uh, let me give you my, my Trader Joe Ho rundown for the day. Um, I have not tried their um, freeze dried or dried fruit uh, soft and juicy mandarins before, mm. and my goodness, are they delicious! So anyway, I got that in a ginger beer and my dark dark chocolate mints. We're ready to roll. This is Trader Joe's. I wasn't even going to plug him in. I was just going to say hello and welcome to the Todd and Taylor show. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. And welcome to our final episode of season two. Can you believe Um, it's been two seasons already? I mean, my goodness. And really, can you? So we've talked about this a couple times before, if you found us on SoundCloud or ToddandTaylor.com, you're sh- certainly aware of it. But if you just subscribed to us or found us through iTunes or something, you don't know this. But we really took advantage of those SoundCloud playlists. And mm-hmm. instead of just numbering every episode in, you know, into the dozens, we, uh, we had sort of a little beta season where we were learning the ropes. And so we decided to just sort of put a period at the end of that sentence and call it season zero. Mm-hmm. And then we started this official season, season one. And then we did a season where we uh, we didn't recap exactly. How would you describe it? We discussed Game we're of Thrones. About, oh, well, it wasn't even a season so much as a whole separate show called yeah. Wednesday in Westeros. So that was that was kind of where we branched out a bit because we had been talking about game of thrones so much on season one that we're like let's just make that its own thing and then season two will be more you know just kind of anything else but game of thrones and yeah and and give us more more room to talk about more evergreen kinds of stuff to use a uh, popular parlance evergreen material and it just kind of worked out like we had a bunch of technical problems in season zero. Yes. And so whole episodes got lost or like an episode would just get cut off in the middle. We ended up with six episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not like a numbers freak, but it always like sticks in my head of like with <laughs> the numbering of things. And so then in our first season, we did 12 episodes, which just worked out that way. We were headed for 10 and we did this yep. massive year end wrap up and decided to chop it into three parts. Um, then there were 12 episodes of Wednesday and Westeros, our other show on Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, because we did a preview and a season review. And so we thought, hey, here uh, in season two, we've got some new stuff to announce, which we'll talk about uh, in this podcast. And we thought, let's just go out on number 12 again. Let's yeah. make it nice and even. We got six and 12 and 12 and 12. Um, so I really like that. That appeals to the the... Uh, OCD and me or whatever it is. <laughs> but I, I feel big time. I feel like we're Hollywood now. Like we've got seasons and, you know, we're talking about, we're already talking about season three and what it, what it includes among, among other things. Uh, and we're actually going to, to not bury the lead, we're actually going to announce something kind of cool at the end of this episode. So if you're yeah. anxious, just fast forward to that. But before that. <laughs> no, don't fast forward. It's going to be scintillating conversation until then. Scintillating. We're going to talk about Trader Joe's. We're going to talk about uh, King Supers. Oh, let's, let's, not, let's not turn Stay people away. off. We, they've gotten their Trader Joe's fix for the evening. I, uh, I want to know what's up with you, and I kind of want to share what's oh. up with me. Because we haven't – you know, one of the things we don't do – is we kind of jump in and we, you know, we may have, we may exchange some pleasantries, but then we jump right into the topic of the day, you know, whether it be a movie yeah. or a TV show. So we rarely talk about ourselves um, on, the, on this show. On this and, show, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
and as we were talking about what the, the, the thing that comes next, which we will mention at the end of the show, uh, we're, we're coming up with like a theme for it. And, uh, or, you know, like how, what not, we weren't trying to invent a new theme. We were saying what, you know, what, how do you tie all this stuff together that we do when we realize like we talk about creative work that other people have been doing and we never, we're not good at like, uh, boosting what we're doing. So yeah, we're going to yeah. talk a little bit about that before we talk about the next thing that we talk about to talk call about. It, call it an episode of shameless plugs to some extent, you know? Yeah. I would, you know, hopefully not, hopefully not shameless. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty shame-filled. Shame-filled. Okay, shame-filled. Shame Somewhere on the shame spectrum, there is, there's going to be some, there's going to be some plugging going on. Yeah. Um, let's, um, let's, I'm curious about you, though. So, like, like okay. We can start with me. Yeah, start with you. What, I know you, for those of you who don't know, Todd is a rather prolific writer, author of many things, <laughs> books, blog posts. You've actually put out several books. I have point um one of which i have on my shelf i'm looking at right now but you're working on a new one as we speak yeah it's uh i i think there's a there's probably a big theme here we could develop over many episodes which is that how do you actually get long work done um mm -hmm. and the last long work i got done like where i finished it is probably that book that we I believe we have actually mentioned on the show a couple of times, which is Good, Simple, Open, mm -hmm. uh, which is a book I wrote about work and how to make yeah. it better. Um, which I, I will say, and I don't, I'm not just saying this because I know you or that we're friends. I'm, I, I try to be pretty objective when discussing other friends' work. If you like the, the writings of Seth Godin, um, oh, you, you will like Good, Simple, Open. It is very much kind of uh, you know in that in that family but it's not like you went and just ripped off his writing style it's very much your style but it it sort of encompasses a lot of the things he talks about a lot even the That's form true. factor is very it's very friendly and very accessible and feels very you know it's not a marketing book that talks down to you it's very much a let me take you on a journey kind of book and i you know it's um if if you have a seth godin book on your shelf this would fit very nicely beside it and i say that when I have Purple Cow right next to Good Simple Open. so Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, and I like when people have not read it but may have read other work, you know, philosophy kind of books. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's not like a business book. It's not like how to be a more effective manager. Mm -hmm. um, but it's – I always liken it to the books that the Basecamp crew writes. Yeah, they, there you go. They've written um, uh, Getting Real, which they wrote back when they were 37 Signals. Uh, Basecamp is a project management software. And are they, they not 37 Signals anymore? No, they are officially Basecamp is the is the name of the company. Oh, interesting. They huh. they kind of spun out their other products. Mm -hmm. um, 37 Signals was a they were a web uh, agency when they were called that mm -hmm. that had developed this for internal use and then ended up selling it. Blah blah blah. I could go down that rabbit hole, but they wrote Getting Real and they wrote Rework, which is amazing and remote which is about working remotely. And those were definitely like a big inspiration to me. I mean, I, you know, uh, that, that was kind of the form I saw of good, simple open was, was mm -hmm. emulating nice. those to an extent, although I've been keeping the blog for good, simple open since 2009. So it all kind of developed out of that. So that was a long work where I quit a job and I was doing freelance work, but I had that freedom to go sit in coffee shops for hours at a time and write this thing out. Also, it didn't have to be written in a particular order. Mm -hmm. So I just had a list of like, these are the topics I'm going to cover. 
Some were these all like venting like blog posts that you were just like you were just angry that day? I'm going to write about this. Or this was this just I, kind of something that evolved as it as it went along? Well, it uh, the there had been like ch- lists of chapters that had been developed over years where because I had these two friends that were like you need to write this as a book, mm-hmm. and so I always kind of had this loose structure to it. Um, they weren't really venting blog posts. I mean, I did think at the time, like, it did feel like I'm really putting a positive spin on all this stuff, all these, like, work difficulties and how to make it better. And I hope that was kind of the vibe that came out of it. Uh, but, yeah, I could write it out of order because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a narrative book. So I could just sit down and go, okay, today I'm going to write about, um, you know, uh, micromanagers and just write, like, a quick – because they're also real quick chapters. So it could be just mm-hmm. – you know, I could get stuff done quickly and then get back to my freelance work. And as everyone who does creative projects knows when you're in a full-time like nine to five job, it is freaking difficult to get big shit done. Mm -hmm. And so right before I took, um, uh, uh, recently took a full-time job or left, left like the, the total freelance life Mm -hmm. to, to have a little bit more structured, uh, full-time workiness stuff. Um, Right before that was happening, I've really been wanting to write this book on uh, on belief and not religion exactly, but how other things in our lives get turned into religion. Mm. Um, A and this is funny topic too. For this day and age. It's funny too because you and I, uh, you sort of knew I was working on some of this stuff, but we didn't really know each other's feelings about it until a couple of weeks ago. And we we had this really great conversation which we should have just recorded and made a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, where you hipped me to the uh, Sam Harris podcast, and um, we talked about Ono Ross and Carrie, which mm. is uh, another podcast on Maximum Fun that um, I really enjoyed. And uh, by the way, quick shout out for that that show Ono Ross and Carrie. At the very least, go download their like seven part series on Scientology. They go and enroll in Scientology for a period of time, and then basically come back and report on it week to week. And it's you know if you've seen Going Clear. It's kind of a nice companion piece. So you get going clear, and then you get people who are kind of researching it from, you know, from the beginning, like you know, as an, as newbies. Yeah, and get- not not exactly ju- I mean, not exactly objective, but not really judgmental about it. Yeah, they didn't so go in like we're that- gonna fuck you over and expose right. you to the world. They're like, going clear already did that. We're just gonna go in and report on what we see, and what yeah. we see is what we see. You know, it's like that's all you can basically ask for. So th- th- that being said, they kind of were treated very, you know, they were, they were kind of welcomed in until eventually you, you'll learn that as the podcast gains in popularity, Scientology doesn't quite appreciate that. Yeah. So. Eventually they, they Google them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been keeping notes and, and had things in mind of like, how, how can I write about belief and stuff like that? And, uh, and so Glenn Beck said something, super <laughs> crazy back in March. Just it was March, day. right? Um, where he uh, he was endorsing Ted Cruz for president and he quoted a, a Mormon prophecy about the apocalypse mm. and related it to something George Washington had said <laughs> and tied the, it's a crazy, crazy speech to me. It's only cra- It's not delivered in a crazy way. It's not like you hear it and you go, 
well, like as nuts, you know, like you don't hear it like it's a conspiracy theory explaining to you how Dave Chappelle is giving secret Illuminati signals during his stand-up routines, <laughs> which I've also watched on YouTube. Hmm. You watch it and you feel like it's this patriotic speech. But once once I started to pull it apart, because I had heard the thing about the Mormon prophecy, so I went and looked it up, and you know, and then it's like, and then to find out how his how he asserts this context of how. Ben Franklin and George Washington were having this conversation and George Washington knew like, and that's where he inserts the words of the prophecy in there. And, and I'm going, uh, I, you know, so I, my brain just went, I got to look this up. And in the course of doing all this research into this, I realized like, this is how I want to write about belief. I want to take mm. these things that sort of influence people in, a, in some way. In this case, I think Glenn Beck's politics influence his religion I think uh, I think it's I think it's a circle jerk all all around. I think that's probably a good way to put it. But it's we're definitely told we're definitely sort of given the picture sometimes uh, uh, that that people's you know by religious people that, that their religion should influ will naturally influence their politics. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I think in my in my piece I quote Raphael Cruz, Ted Cruz's father, is saying something like that. Um, that you know, of course, your religion should in, impact your politics, and uh, <clears throat> but. But what's really fascinating to me was you find out that like it's kind of working the reverse for Glenn mm -hmm. Beck and for Raphael Cruz because it, there's not a lot of uh, – what do you want to say? Like supporting material for the, the religious part of it. And when you start looking in the historical part of it, it, it all kind of collapses. You know, The story that Glenn Beck tells, I couldn't – and granted, I'm not like a academic – you know, super academic uh, by any means. I'm not, I'm not trained he's, in that research or anything. He's, he's counting on that, by the way. Well, I know, but I, you know, I'm, it's pretty easy to find sources for all the, the quotations that he uses, mm. but in none of those sources are Ben Franklin and George Washington in the same room when this conversation between them supposedly happens. Mm. And then the quote that Washington says about, uh, he says this thing about, well, we need a, uh, a place where the good and, and wise men can, uh, the honest and wise men can repair, um, and and even that part, that's not in the same <laughs> – that's related by someone else who said that George Washington said that, who doesn't put Ben Franklin there. You know, it's like mm. he, he's playing a game of telephone with all these historical, you know, yeah. uh, uh, patriotic quotes. And, uh, you know, and the Mormon uh, religion is fascinating to me because it is a wholly American religion yes. that yes. sprang from – from the mind of one person, yep. and when uh, and I, I realize just by saying that I worded that poorly for, for people who might be Mormons, they're they're going to think that's argumentative. Um, I, I've, I didn't I've, necessarily mean it that way, but I, that's probably the tone of my book. Is like I'm kind of being argumentative. I'm kind of poking people, but it's not a snotty book anyway. So I wrote this thing, and I real I honest to God thought I'm going to write uh, a two thousand words on this. Because uh, I'm a writer and I, I count words like that, so that doesn't mean a lot to many people. But I thought I'm gonna write 2,000 words. It's gonna be a long magazine article, and I wrote almost 10,000 words. Damn! And I was like, okay, so I'm gonna put that, this out as a Kindle all, book. Was that just in one sitting, or how did oh, you? Oh Lord, no, 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 no! Okay. I worked on this for like weeks and weeks. This was there's like super, super intense uh, uh, research into this. I mean, everything gotcha. I say, I try to back up with a quote. Um, you know, I cited I cited books and videos and articles and um, you know just like glossaries and thesauri or not thesauri, but uh, you know encyclopedias and things like that. Where so I can just provide any context for anything I say because, like I said, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not really trained in it, so I don't uh, 
I, you know, I just wanted to cover my bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I wrote this, so it, I ended up being so long, but I loved the experience of it. And I thought, you know what, here's my book on belief. I'm mm-hmm. just going to write five pieces of about this length and I'm done, you know? So I'm going to put this one out as a, on Amazon Kindle, um, uh, you know, it's just, and that's how I'm going to write them. I'm going to write each 10,000 word article, put it on Kindle. And then when I'm done with all five of them, I'll put them all together in one book and that, that'll be it. Now with you each know? five, are they a different religion or are they all focused on this Glenn Beck sort of? Oh gosh, no. I, and it's Did not you necessarily like by religion. It's more about what the thing that, that we believe leads to. Ah, okay. you know, so because kind of, so, when you say that, it reminds me of like some of the Michael Lewis books, like Boomerang, right? Where he, it's almost like Boomerang feels like it's four or five books in combined in one that there's a thematic uh, gotcha. connection. But it's like you know, Boomerang is he focuses on Iceland, then he focuses on Greece, and he focuses on California, and it's like, and they're all they could all exist as you you put it you put it beautifully, like they could all be New Yorker articles, like long form sort of exposés, but they're just collected in book form, you know, so it's a little easier to to take with you and dissect and everything. I did not realize it, but um, uh, after after even publishing this first section, which which I should call which I should name is called a. Uh, so the first part that's about Glenn Beck and, and the white horse prophecy is called so much for the white horse. Ah, uh, wow. Glenn Beck, Ted Cruz and the end of the end times. Um, <laughs> and uh, because basically Glenn Beck said the apocalypse is coming if we don't elect Ted Cruz. Well, it's funny. And- I, I actually started. So, so full disclosure, I started subscribing to and occasionally and by that i mean every two weeks or so listening to various parts of the glenn beck radio show which gets podcasted uh the same day only because he was taught he was using such crazy rhetoric uh in the primaries i thought he might actually we might have the makings of a jonestown situation on our hands where he commands his followers to do something ridiculous i kind of want to be there to 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 hear it go down you know live and or know that it's coming where it's like you know i'm like does anybody realize this is getting pretty crazy it didn't happen fortunately but like i it was so fascinating i'm like what's he gonna say that's just like complete utter crazy nonsense like what's what's going to come down the pike so it's kind of fascinating from a sociological perspective just to listen to him and his and his listeners interact with each other on a you know semi-regular basis just to kind of see what what someone with that mind will say you know well yeah and i mean not to well i i i I hope this comes off in the right tone and i would honestly like welcome any Mormon to discuss it with me on or off the podcast. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, I appreciate your perspective on him saying that and sounding like he's a little unhinged, but I, I don't even think that, I think what's so fascinating about it is he's not, it's not approaching a Jonestown situation where he is going to incite anyone. Mm-hmm. It's more like what he believes is, that Joseph Smith delivered this prophecy mm. and that's just how it's going to go down. And so uh, he's just looking for the signs. He's not really going to push anybody in that direction. Cause there isn't, there is no direction. Like the, the way the white horse prophecy works is it just happens. The white horse prophecy is a retelling of uh, the book of revelation and specifically like the, the four horse, the four horses of revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in purely American terms. And that's what's just so fascinating about the Mormon belief system is that everything is centered on America. I mean, Adam and Eve lived here and, you know, Jesus came here after he was crucified and there was this whole um, Israelite, uh, or I guess maybe that's not the right term. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but there was a whole, you know, there are tribes of Israel that lived in the Americas. And of course there is absolutely no historical re- record for any of this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just fascinating that one man translated these, you know, these, these plates that, that no one's ever seen. Um, and, and, you know, this, this is what uh, is just sort of, it's just canonical belief, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to say that with like, you know, some respect for, for, for what may or may not be true, I guess. But I mean, you can, you can, <laughs> you can, you can read the context clues as to how I feel about it. I just don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful for that to that to those people who believe that. But I, Fair enough. Um, but there's there's like a real healthy skepticism. <laughs> you I, could was, say. I was talking more like you know he was telling people to go on hunger strikes and do kind of. Crazy. Oh, he did. Oh yeah, yeah. So he was oh, like, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know it got to that point. Yeah, in the throes of in the throes of the cruise campaign, he's like, we have to go on hunger strikes so that God knows we are we're listening, you know. And he's like, and I was just like, okay, well that's. A little extreme, but like, what else is he gonna do if that doesn't work? Like, where else is this gonna head? Can he's this is a guy who's you know, he's I, give, given into personal theatrics one too yeah. many times to where it's like, all right, um, well, you know. he, uh, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully, I make the case for my point in this book. I think if you don't know anything about, um, Mormonism, or you don't know anything about this this thing that Glenn Beck said, or um, even if you don't know about Ted Cruz and his father, I think that this short book of mine, which you can read in about two hours, is it would really interest you. Uh, it's called So Much for the White Horse, um, and it you know I like I said, there's like ninety something footnotes in it uh, of things that I've cited in awesome. or, or annotated in some way. Um, and if you get the Kindle, you know, it's interactive. You can only get the Kindle. I didn't make a print version. So it's interactive. So like when you, when you, and it's awesome too, um, how it works on every different Kindle. Cause I've formatted several Kindle books at this point, but this one, uh, when you hit a footnote, it jumps to the notes section. So you can read the footnote. Then you tap that number again, and it jumps right back in the text where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll That's keep awesome. your place. So, you, so I wanted it to be really interactive, like, so that you can jump back and forth on my Kindle Paperwhite. When you press a footnote, it doesn't jump you to the end. It just opens the footnote like in a little modal window Ooh. on the paper white, and That's then awesome. you can dismiss it. So you can open up the footnote, follow the link there, mm-hmm. and watch a video or read an article or whatever supporting material I've I've given there. Um, anyway, I just I I had a, I really enjoyed the process of researching and writing it, um, especially because it wasn't based on like preconceived biases that I may have held, I don't mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really about me putting together a lot of things that I'd read with what was going on in a current event. Um, and then I wanted to mention this. So it's like a couple months after I put it out, I put it out in June. And just last month, I read Saints and Sinners by Lawrence Wright, who wrote Going Clear, the book. And mm-hmm. I had not known of this book. It's from 1992. And he structured it exactly how I had thought to structure a book on belief, which is it's five big chapters, or I think his is actually six, but his is he goes and meets a religious leader or an atheist leader or Anton LaVey 
and <laughs> writes a whole chapter about that person's like background and and sort of his own personal searching for faith and stuff like that. And that is a fascinating book. Um, mm-hmm. And that's called Saints and Sinners. And so that's what I'm hoping to structure mine like. And to put all that together, uh, I made a website, which is beliefandnot.org. And so I got a little blog on there where I can kind of update, you know, the things I'm reading. I wanted to make it a pretty transparent process because that's work, what worked for Good Simple Open was, you know, keeping a blog of all these ideas to write about later. So that's that's, awesome. that's what I'm trying to do with what are your not, what's what are the other yeah. um, you said it's going to be like four or five. Do you know what your other sections are going to be or your other uh, mini? I am fairly sure that the, that I'm going to get something. I don't want to I don't want to announce it right now okay. because uh, I know after I wrote this, it shifted the whole focus on how I was outlining everything. Mm-hmm. Um and so then as could, I approach right, and then as I approached the second story, um, and really got into making notes about it, it's kind of shifted a couple times. But I'm fairly certain that the next story is going to be called the belief in bullshit, mm. um, and hopefully not retread too much ground that we saw with like Penn and Teller's bullshit series or mm. um, some other books. But I, you know, I, eh, you know, you can. Uh, there's plenty of contemporary events happening right at this moment in late September, 2016 that uh, feed into this. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'd really like to get that out uh, before the election. Um, (laughs) Awesome. And uh, that's, that's kind of the hope. I don't know that the Kindle book will be done by then, but hopefully the short version of the article will be done. So that's kind of awesome. The feeling. So yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. I am fascinated to hear what you are up to because we wanted to do this like catch up on personal creative projects uh, probably more than a month ago, probably almost yeah. two months ago yeah. when this when you had uh, received uh, some good news. And so I purposefully said, no, 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 don't tell me about it now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah. Let's do it on the podcast. And now it's like two months later and I don't really know what's going on. That's okay. But- it's it's yeah. okay because it's honestly the waiting is kind of killing me and and uh, okay yeah so so long story short I a couple years ago uh, hung out with this group of guys under the banner Studio Heft and we sort of played with a bunch of different um, ideas you know it was going to be an agency then it was going to be more like a creative studio for our own projects and then ultimately it just sort of it fizzled I think because everybody kind of had a different idea of what they wanted out of it and none of that was really compatible so you know, say la vie but I still hang out with, with with those guys now and then and it's it's still fun but one of the things we did at the time was submit uh, pilots to Sundance's new voices program so for those of you not familiar the Sundance Film Institute has for for several years been doing a uh, you know like a you know submit your film and then you get to go to, like to their workshop they pick ten you know ten films you get to workshop and then they added a TV thing where it's like submit your pilot idea your project and we'll bring you, you know, we'll bring you out to Utah for a week like a week uh, almost like a almost like a startup incubator for like yeah. TV pilots and I you know I kind of struggle with that because a lot of my ideas. <sighs> Are just don't quite fit the TV format as as comfortably as I think they would want. Um, so I really, you know, I, I sort of kind of submitted some stuff, but I wasn't really that into it, and it was just really a stressful experience. Well, as it turns out, Sundance this year finally decided to add a web series component, and they partnered with YouTube to do it. So it's the Sundance uh, new, vo- I think it's just like the New Voices Writers Lab. 
um, the new voices being the, the key term. And it was a lot more sort of open because it was the first year they were doing it. So a lot of the criteria seemed to be a bit more free flowing. They were really looking for, you know, kind of shorter form stuff. So, you know, like 10 to 15 minute episodes, um, you know, they, they didn't want it to be some kind of big sprawling thing. So I thought, oh, great. I have this little idea uh, called Covered Wagons, which is basically Veep or the thick of it or even to some extent, like Parks and Recreation on the Oregon Trail. Right. It's that sort of, you know, it's that I'm glad kind of, I said Oregon Trail because uh, that was definitely the lead when you pitched it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I say, like, if you've seen Veep or if you've seen, like, it's British, it's British ancestor, the thick of it, I like that format where it's not talking head, but it's, it's kind of fly on the wall documentary style where they don't acknowledge the camera. Um, I like right. that. Um, and just very sort of improv heavy dialogue. So imagine that on the Oregon Trail and you have covered wagons. I, you know, spent a lot of time writing my pilot for that kind of develop you have to in addition to the pilot episode you got to submit like a bunch of materials you know your show bible all that kind of stuff so I, I put that one out was really feeling good about that but in the process of writing that one i found this other pilot i'd written a couple years ago that i just put on the back burner because i just didn't know where to take it but i'm like you know what i really like this one too i'll dust it off i had it basically written so i just kind of tweaked it a little bit and submitted it as well and at the time i was calling it stranger um, and I'll get in a second, I'll explain why that's no longer doable. Um, I, I submitted both of them and lo and behold, stranger, the one that I just literally was like, Oh, and this one too got through to the second round. So in July I had to bang out, uh, three full episodes, a Kickstarter sort of pitch video amongst other materials. And I have been waiting to hear back. They said, you'll hear by October 14th. So since July 20 something, I have been just waiting and I'm guessing they have to go through everything. You know, they have to, you know, at once they whittled it down to however many were in the second round, they have to go through everything. And my guess is they're picking, they're picking a class of 10 that sort of have, you know, a, a very diverse sort of set of ideas. So, you know, it's not going to be all comedies or it's not going to be all, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure to some extent they don't want all just white guys either, you know, so there's probably sure. demographic sort of criteria along with just creative criteria. So hopefully, you know, I, I feel like what I submitted for that was pretty strong. You know, my video, <laughs> I kind of rushed my video, uh, which, you know, you can, if you know where to find it, you can see it on YouTube. Now I probably won't share it publicly just because if, you know, when we actually, what's cool about this is we're making this, this web series regardless. Right. So if I get in, I'm going to get some more tools and some, some networking clout to kind of make it better. If I don't get in, I kind of, I'm like, you know, no far, no harm, no foul. We're still making it. So, you know, come, you know, next spring, this will be a huge project that you know, we'll jump into. And, and what you mean by that is you mean, yeah, you mean like whether or not it's picked up by Sundance, you were intending to go ahead and make this pilot. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and, and let's be honest, getting into the Sundance thing does not mean they're going to, you know, give you a hundred thousand dollars and everything. Like they still think you're, I mean, they're like, you're, you're making this, we're just going to help you. Right. It's not like this is for people who can't get it off, you know, need everything. They're expecting you to be forward, you know, basically proactive with this project, which is great. Sure. It's like, so for me, it was kind of fun to go, well, to use them as like a means, a means, yeah. to end, a means to an end. So I'm like, you know, if I didn't have that process, I wouldn't have been, have been compelled to crank out as much content in a short a period of time as I did. And I think as a result, the content I put out was, you know, probably better than if I had all this infinite time to plot along with it and overthink it, which I always do. So I was glad, you know, I was basically just using this process to bang out two web series that, you know, should have, should have been done, but I was wasting time on. So, you know, that's such a, sorry, 
well, that's such a great perspective on, uh, it's something that, that you and I acknowledge about doing creative work. Um, and I think, I think it ties into what I was saying about like having a day job and trying to get the big stuff done afterwards, which is, um, when you do have sort of an infinite amount of time, mm. you're gonna fiddle with it an infinite amount of time. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes when our, when our creative work is not our job, if it's, uh, you know, if it's outside, like, you know, if I've got two hours a night, uh, <laughs> generously to work on creative work after, after my job, uh, it's tempting for me to just like sort of fiddle for those two hours and the next yeah, two hours and the next yeah. two hours. Cause I know I'm going to have those two hours, you know, uh, f- you know, for the f- foreseeable future. Exactly. So it's, you're, it's you're cool right. to hear that like when you, you know, when you were under the gun for Sundance, you were forced to produce and create, you know, and man, is... I'm not going to, I'm not going to say specifically, but you know, the, I, I, I had infinite amount of time to do episode one and I got to re- you know polish it obviously. Uh, before the final submission, but I cranked out those other two episodes pretty fast Not yeah. overnight, but it was close. And let's be honest. I had a lot of time to, I kind of, I already knew what the outline was. I knew what I wanted to do with them. I was not like, I didn't create them from scratch, but the actual dialogue and the beats and the, you know, all of that was, was hammered out pretty quick, which, you know, when you look at a traditional writer's room, that's kind of how it is, right? They'll spend a lot of time in the writer's room, you know, uh, you know, cranking out the beats, the storyline, the arcs, and then the, then they'll send a writer away to actually write the episode. Um, so well, the you know, there's a great done in the room. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think you, I think you and I have talked about this before. There's this uh, Woody Allen, uh, supposedly a quote from him uh, that I always appreciate, where he says, like, all the writing is done before you sit down at the typewriter. Yeah, yeah. So like, I had a lot of time. What, you know, I had hours just, in the car yeah. to think about it and yeah. you know, decide if it's a good idea and, and actually workshop it with some of my writing friends here in Denver. So that being said, the story itself, I don't want to get too far into, but what I like about it is, and what I said in my pitch video, we are still in kind of the wild west as far as web series go. You know, we've got a model in Funny or Die where there's, you know, very low production value kinds of comedy uh, is put out. We've got stuff like, you know, all the Let's Play videos and that, you know, the sketches and the Felicia Days of the world. And it's all fine, but it's not, it hasn't elevated the medium, in my opinion. And we haven't seen, with a, with a v- very rare exceptions, we haven't yet seen the Breaking Bad of web series or the Lost of web series or the Carnival of web series. Like, where are those shows? Where are those good dramas? The only thing I can find that satisfies my my craving for that is either Kiefer Sutherland's The Booth at the End, which is now five years old at this juncture. It was the first thing mm-hmm. he did after 24. Go, oh my God, if you want a good short sit, it's I think it's five 10-ish minute episodes so it's basically like all put together. It's like a little hour hour huh. episode of TV. It's amazing. It's Kiefer Sutherland and it's John Hurt. And Kiefer Sutherland plays a, an assassin who goes into a church to have a confession. And John Hurt is the priest. And oh my God, it's 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 brilliant. And it perfectly captures sort of the low – it's low budget, but it doesn't look terrible. There's a lot yeah. of high – you know, the writing is really good. The other one though that, that – and this is kind of my spirit animal for everything web series – that I would I will write forevermore is the booth at the end. Again, five years old, I think, at this juncture. If if I am remembering correctly, the booth at the end was created originally to be on TV and just was never picked up. So they converted into a web series kind of last minute. The episodes themselves are about 20-ish minutes, I think 
for that TV length. Um, I think it was originally produced for like Canadian TV too. And so it wound up on Hulu kind of sight unseen. And I discovered it, you know, again, five, six years ago, fell in love with it. It is literally a guy in a booth at a diner and these people come and visit him. So it's one location. They can literally plant the cameras and just, you know, change the time of day. And these people come and explain the whole conceit of the show is this guy in the booth uh, has this cryptic journal and people come to him asking for something like, I want to be uh, I want to be pretty, or I want my husband not to die of cancer, or I want this woman to love me, or you know, like any, or I want to be rich. Any, any, any number of requests, and he goes through his journal, and you never get to see what's in the journal. You just know there's some cryptic writing and you know diagrams and shit, and he writes in it occasionally, and he tells them what they have to do to get the thing they want. So if you want to be pretty, maybe the thing you have to do is help five people. If you want your husband to you know, survive cancer, maybe you have to detonate a bomb in a public place. Or if you want to love this woman to love you, you have to kidnap a kid and hold it, you know, hold the kid for, you know, for 10 days. It's all these crazy things. And then you have to come back and tell him about how it's going. So it's brilliant. (laughs) It's brilliant in that they get to like, they don't have to spend money on any of this stuff. They just have to hire actors who can come back and tell a convincing story to Xander Davies, who's, who plays the man brilliantly i might add and it's 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 crazy and they basically have the the mythos of lost with the production values of you know a couple thousand dollars an episode it's great so i how long are those episodes about 20 ish minutes okay and and they always they, they always orient you you know every time a new person comes in they flash in giant letters who that person is so you're always reminded oh this is tom or this is victoria or whoever it might be and they did two seasons of the show and season two ended on such a massive cliffhanger that they just never they never produced anymore. So like you've you finished season two going, oh my God, because they kind of give you a big hint as to who the man is and what right. the like what the mythology actually is. And you're like, oh, and then they just never finish it. So I always kind of looked at that like that is how you do a really compelling web series and a you know, dr- kind of a, a mystery sci-fi drama, but on a web series scale and budget. So my little my little series stranger kind of it owes a lot spiritually to that um mine so, is oh go ahead now to, to recap like so on stranger you've written three episodes for it i've written six but i submitted oh, three. Okay. that's all they asked for Um, but my season one is meant to be six episodes and I'm kind of thinking I like sort of everybody kind of who's done web series. Well, six kind of seems to be the, the go-to, you know, you get a nice good arc, a nice beginning, middle and end. And you, you know, it's short enough where where again, if you look, if you aim for that 10 to 12 minute, uh, per episode time length, when you add them all up, it's about 60 ish minutes. So it kind of feels like you can watch it as like a little movie or a full episode, you know, full hour of TV. Um, you had also said that that uh, it, it, it that the name might be problematic. Was that oh, what I God. took away from well, that? Let's be honest. The name fits <laughs> the series, but it's I wasn't in love with it. But since then, not only has <laughs> and I at no time did I know Stranger Things was coming was right. coming out, but Doctor Strange was obviously uh-huh. in production. Um, my one of my new favorite comic series, Strange Attractors. Uh-huh. Was, was being written um and i'm sure there's like five or six other things with the word strange or stranger in them so yeah. that obviously has to go because it's just you know all the comparisons are going to be are, 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 are i can't say anything against them and i know there's a better name for this story so right. i'm hoping the sundance people go 
I hope he's not keeping the title. Like I'm right. Sundance. If you're listening, I'm completely open to changing the title. Um, <laughs> and I wish I could go back and amend my submission to say that. Cause literally not two weeks after I submitted it, stranger things drops on Netflix. I'm like, God damn it. Right. So I hope they, I hope they watch this going, well, this is not that story. We can just have them change the title completely. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. My story though, yeah, is actually it has nothing to do with it. I mean, it's, no, it's not to do. in the same neighborhood or anything. Yeah. The only reason I chose it is because my sort of my, I have two main characters. Characters. There is a bartender who people will come to and they'll kind of confess their problems. And uh, every now and then the bartender will tell them where they can find a man who can solve their problem. So the opening episode is it's, it's kind of cool. I, I cut to a guy who's running through the streets of Denver and you you cut back and forth between him in present you know present time and him the night before talking to the bartender and the bartender is explaining to him what he needs to do and all these people are in search of a man in black who has the ability to basically send them back in time to solve whatever problem they have in their life so maybe it's a guy whose wife has left him because he cheated on her or maybe it's a guy who you know, got into you started getting into drugs and 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 kind of a life of crime and missed raising his daughter and wants to wants another chance to be a better person. Maybe it's a a woman who you know wants to go back and you know relive her. She doesn't want to cure her husband or son or whatever it might be, but she wants to go back and relive the last year of their life because she you know she was kind of a shitty mom or a shitty wife, right? And so it's it's all these people who have problems, much like in booth at the end but they get to go back and and try again and the man in black who can never be touched he has all these rules about what you can and can't do with him he gives them kind of that that ability to to you know he questions them and everything so it's kind of again i make no mistake about it is very much i owe a lot sort of thematically to booth at the end but i take it in new and interesting directions yeah Um, and i've got you know for example spoilers kind of I've one of the characters that you meet is a, a, a Muslim woman named Fatima whose brother um, commits – basically does a, does a terrorist bombing, and she kind of gets blamed for it. So she wants to go back and, and solve that problem. So there's a lot of and, – and, and it gets really deep and crazy and interesting. All the meanwhile, you're like, who the hell is this bartender? Who the hell is this man? What is their relationship to each other? You know, Is it – is it are they gods is it time travel are they in the mafia like what is the you know are they aliens what is it i sort of i you know as each episode unfolds you get a little bit more of that Um, now is it is it too spoilery to ask you do you know what they are i absolutely know what they are okay um i didn't for a while which is funny when i first started writing it i was like well it could be in any number of things but at the more i wrote it the more i'm like oh no 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 it has it has to be this for the whole story story to make sense so it's it's and i'm not gonna i am not gonna tell you at the end of season one you're gonna get a a big glimpse but you're not gonna know until you know if i make more seasons that will you know by the time the whole show is done if i make like let's say three seasons you will definitely know what it is but you know until in the meantime the mystery is part of the part of the appeal these characters are part of the appeal you know these people that go and meet the man and what their lives end up being and then you start to see you know a character from episode 2 might pop up sort of yeah you know sort of in the peripheral of of episode 3 you're like oh there's the guy from episode 2 and this is what happened to him when he went back into oh cool you know like there's all right. kinds of things that start to weave together so i'm hoping they look at it as kind of a unique um, you know, go at a web series and especially they're partnering with YouTube. So like they want 
new and interesting things to elevate the format. I'm hoping they look at this in that way. And, you know, so we'll if see. I were one of those powerful web video executives that we always hear about, <laughs> uh, what, uh, what would you like And you're and you're pitching me yeah. and I ask you this question when you answer it as though I'm that powerful web video executive okay. from, from crackle. Or, or you know what? Don't uh, don't make CISO don't, or whatever. Don't underplay but, uh, that too much. You know what? I, I'm saying this. I'm saying this. They're seriously. all for Emmys, weren't they? I I feel like we're even though it's still the Wild West. I feel like web series has lost most of its sort of like baggage and oh. branding. You know? Uh, yeah. Much like I, online let it be known, I am not, I am not mocking uh, web series like. How like in an internet shaming way? I'm well. I know. I know. But I'm saying for those for those out there who might think of web series like as a dirty word thing, like Brad Easton Ellis of all people is has gotten money to write and produce and direct a web series, and it occurred to him as it occurred to me, you know, years before, we're, we've entered this part this this sort of time in 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 visual storytelling where the movie. The TV show, the Netflix show, and the web series, and I'll even throw in the Insta- the Snapchat story, are yeah. all legitimate mediums to tell a story. And there's no, I, I think we've, I think people have gotten a lot less precious about well, a movie has is is the truest form, or the TV. I, I think it's all one giant equal playing field now, and it's simply a matter of which sort of time constraint best suits the story you're trying to tell. Um, and I just think we need more stuff on the web series front but that's just a matter of time like we were saying that i mean good lord look back three years ago three that's it netflix had two original series they're gonna have 128 i think this year they're putting a billion dollars into it 128 original series in three years like that was i mean so imagine when youtube and and their partnership with sundance is indicative of this when youtube and crackle and all these places start to spend some serious money developing talent and developing properties you're going to see on on as for web series what we've seen on netflix and amazon prime and hulu and all these other things so i hopefully you know with or without the sundance thing i want to at least put something out there that's you know, from a, a narrative fiction standpoint, is, can can sort of further that genre or further that medium along. So, sorry, going back to your question, if you're a Crackle executive, oh yes, I forgot I hadn't even asked the question. What you're Brian do you need Crackle. to? Yeah, I'm I'm Brian Crackle, head of Crackle. Um, <laughs> inherited the business from my father and his right. father before him. We've been on the web for hundreds of years. That's right. Uh, what do you need to make this series? Um, what's nice about, we'll just keep calling it stranger for the time being. What's nice about it that actually, I think I'm almost glad they chose this and not covered wagons because covered wagons would have cost more to make. Like I'm going to need 20 grand to make covered wagons. I can do stranger for practically next to nothing except for actor fees. Um, which is awesome. Like, I mean, I could, I could film all of this in two weekends um you know i i've got i've done enough of this you know now through either strategic blend my agency business or working with other people's short films i have a really clean confident idea how to do this very inexpensively so money while it would be appreciated is not needed like i mean i do need some money and i'll probably pay for some of it out of pocket but it's not going to be ridiculous it's you know it'll be maybe two or three grand at most um what well, I mean, you gotta. I mean, you gotta have some actor fees, and you gotta have like some like maybe location fees, probably. I mean, I mean, 
what are you seeing for the location? I, I, I think I can get most of my locations for free. I think the only thing I'm going to need to spend some real money on is just equipment rental. Um, yeah. And not even a lot there. You know, a camera, some lenses, and a, maybe a Movi rig or a, a Ronin. I have everything and, else I need. My, like, I already own a good chunk of gear that I could just use. Yeah. Like lighting I own, um, you know, my, my B camera I own. Like there's a lot of stuff I own that we could just use already. Well, and with stuff like uh, web video series, um, I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of people who have the, the time and resources for it are pushing the 4K video. But is that yeah. really uh, – is that something that you would go for or would would Full HD be, you know, like what, what you Yeah. So good good question. Full, full HD is more than enough. The only reason I would – if 4K – if I could get a camera that did 4K, I would use it only to future-proof what I was filming. You know? Sure. There could be a time three years from now where the only way to, you know, like like YouTube's gotten so good or we've gotten so good at pushing video, like 4K just needs to happen. Otherwise, it looks dated. Like I would want to have – right now, 1020p is more than fine. It's For a web series, it's exactly what we need, but I'd want to future-proof it. Um, I think the only thing I really need that's, that would make a difference, and the reason this, this Sundance thing is appealing to me is it's, it's getting made regardless. What they're offering is a platform – that right. would raise the attention paid to it by audience members, but also by industry people. And that's kind of sure. what, you know, if I can get that, it will give it so much more launch, you know, like runway to, to actually launch on, um, which is nice. And I, and I want the ability to do this in a way that gives me a season two and also gives me the ability to, you know, eventually produce covered wagons and produce other web series and or and or films or whatever. You know, if I get in a nice groove where I'm doing web series and I'm making ad money or sponsorship money off them, I just keep and I don't ever make an indie film or I don't ever make like a, a t- I would be fine with that. I have any number of ideas that would work just as well as a web series than they would as a film or a short or a you know a TV series. It'd be fun to play in that sandbox, but I would be I don't I'm not so I'm not one of those people that's like well I'm just doing the web series and it's kind of the throwaway thing because I really want to do yeah. a movie. I, you know, maybe three years ago, that would have been my mindset. I am perfectly fine to carve out a really good career direct, you know, writing and directing web series in, that are of a certain quality. Um, I, that's you know. so good to hear uh, because I, and that's, it's also something that you and I haven't directly discussed with each other, but, but I think we're both on the same page where, <clears throat> so last year in season one, um, I believe it's episode, uh, this, I'm speaking of season one of the Todd and Taylor show, um, I want to say it's episode six, <laughs> but maybe it's seven. We we talked about storytelling and the future of the novel, and yeah. so I know we covered some of this ground. But I feel like both you and I um, are on a similar page here, where I too, several years ago, would have thought would have been so precious about no, I've got to write this as a book, or this has got to be a novel, or this has got to be a nonfiction, like you know. Uh, exploration that's this long and it's got to cut but now i just feel like um i i feel like a I, it's sort of like an internal liberation of like yeah. i'm not worried about that stuff anymore yeah. episode, episode seven of season one by the way of the todd and taylor show um yes. but uh yeah I, I i it's good to hear you say that because um you can't like you just pointed out before you before you pitch the show, uh, you can tell these things in any any way. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it, it can be Snapchat videos or um, uh, well, I don't you know. Watch, and you watch you watch what people twenty five and younger are consuming. 
and they just don't care. Like they don't care what it if it if they're seen in the Alamo Draft House or if they're seen on their phone. I think there is a I will say they do care if something that is meant to be seen in the Alamo Draft House is being seen on your phone or vice versa. I think as long as it's appropriate to the medium, they don't care. Like there's not this like, well, you know, web series is a lesser form of art than a movie. That is gone. For anybody under yeah. the age of, I'll just say under the age of thirty, but definitely under the age of twenty-five, that and, and the same thing applies to the you know the, to books. Like you know, I think a really well done blog post is just as relevant as you know a three hundred page business book. You know, as long yeah. as the information is being, con- if the if the three hundred page business book is chock full of amazing stuff, great. But keep in mind, a lot of business books, even now are written or were written from a standpoint of, well, we have to fill at 300 pages because that's what the, you know, we need to fill yeah. that slot in the bookstore. Like they were, they were almost written by design to be that format, that length, that, you know, to fill that space in Barnes and well, Noble. And yeah. So, I mean, it, it, we, we pointed out last year, like, look at the album. Like uh, it used to be that you, 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 it used to be that shitty bands got to make an album because they had, they had lucked out and written one good song. And record yeah. companies were like, well, we can't sell one song, so let's put you in a studio. You record 10 shitty songs and your yeah. one good song, and we'll make people pay $20 for the CD, and you'll you know, you'll be a success. And that's how it worked. And then when the internet came along and made it really, really simple to distribute single songs, a ton of those bands took a hit. you know. Yeah, but it yeah. also changed the way that – the people making music delivered it. I mean, now we're living in this sort of like crazy Uber producer world where, um, you know, the four or five producers probably have their hands in 95% of the hit songs. So really you're, you're still hearing albums. They're just albums from producers sung by different robots and stuff like that. But anyway, but my point being they're delivering, you know, we deliver that media in a different way. You know I mean? I, I, I just tweeted at you this fan film that is fucking gorgeous. Mm. Uh, and without the internet and, uh, you know, affordable ways to produce and distribute this, no one would ever, this would just wouldn't even exist. It's not that it would exist in some other form on a video cassette. It just literally wouldn't even exist. We, you know, the, the, the medium and the tools and the delivery are all kind of, communicating with each other like you know we're in a real good yeah here i don't know yeah well it's 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 for me it's like the full i mean again go listen to this episode was it seven you said seven seven yeah uh we get into a a lot of great conversation we get into a lot of juicy stuff in fact we should do a greatest hits playlist that includes that among uh, maybe (laughs) maybe the final episode of game of wednesday and westeros that like there's a we can do like a little uh you know an ep if you will of our our favorite episodes but you know i think it's uh, Chris Anderson kind of had it right with the long tail. You know, I think yeah. he got there's something that he got wrong there that's been proven wrong over the course of time, but there's what he got right was sort of this this laying out of the of the digital landscape as kind of the great equalizer in terms of yeah, everybody can create content, but I think what was more 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 sort of relevant was 
you don't have to have a movie in a theater seen by X amount of people to be considered a director now. You don't have to have a novel in Barnes and Noble to be an author. You can do, you know, you can do exactly what you're doing by putting out small little short form books and then recollecting them again to make a real book. And all, and each, every one of those is just as valid as the other. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that. We've kind of hit that finally. And I don't know exactly what, where, where customer preference shifted or if just enough younger people got brought into the ecosystem to not care. Yeah, I, maybe it's all of the above. It just It's kind of a cool place to be. And it's, it's cool where, again, maybe that's where Sundance was like three years ago. Well, the, the web series is kind of a lesser art. And right. now it's like, well, shit, YouTube's dropping millions and millions of dollars and channels are making millions and millions of dollars. Like, let's actually try, you know, let's yeah. try to make, again, and no disrespect to the Felicia days of the world and all that. Like, that's fine. There's, there's relevant. And even like the rocket boom, you know, of 10 years ago, I like, remember that, like there's, there's any number of things that are, that are just fine. But I think there is a massive opportunity to do higher quality, good drama on the web series medium. Anyway. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, uh, lest it be misconstrued that we are uh, criticizing those people. I think mostly what we're saying is um, they were the pioneers yes. and we're not judging sort of what the future can be by what it, you know, what I like, you know, like Yacht Rock on Channel 101, I think that's what it was called, <laughs> was one of my favorite things, you know, in 2005 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it looks like crap. Like, it looks like it was, I mean, part of it was supposed to be intentionally look kind of crappy, but it's hard to show that to someone to go, look how genius this is, <laughs> you know, unless they appreciate the nostalgia of it. But at the same time, we we have to, I mean, I was, that I it couldn't, it was only years later that I found out that was a Dan Harmon uh, he had something to do with that channel, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it's so those, yeah, those, uh, I, I understand what you're saying, even if I'm doing a terrible job at, uh, it, explaining it right now, which is, but it, to me, it's like the joke of online dating. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I just listened to this episode of Flophouse, which is another maximum fun podcast where they exclusively talk about movies that were terrible and flopped. Um, and they talked about this, they made a movie, Let's not get sidetracked on this, but they made a Lacey Chabert is in a movie called <laughs> Christian Mingle, which is basically like a commercial for the website Christian Mingle. And on this episode of Flophouse, they were talking about how in the movie, everyone acts like meeting people, like dating people through dating sites on the internet is so freaking crazy. And like, so they're all giving Lacey Chabert like, oh my God, you're meeting people through the internet? <laughs> and this is a movie that came out like last year. Like it's on Netflix. Wow. And wow. Uh, one of the hosts was going, yeah, I was slightly offended by this because I met my wife online 11 years ago. That's when it was, that's when it was sort of the, the new frontier. Now, I mean, with t- I think Tinder kind of finally broke the stigma of online dating, honestly. Which is I think weird because it seems like that should have been the stigma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, I think that was a thing where you, you never had to download the app, but you knew it existed and you knew what it right. was and you knew millions of other people were using it. So, you know. Right. Well, that's just online dating, I guess. It's just it's it's sort of normalized it into the culture, which is my great. my point being. I understood five ten years ago when people smirked at quote a web series or something. Yeah. It, it's sort of yeah. like you know, like I I raised this question like more than ten years ago when I put my first book out uh, when I self published it on the web, which was why if I'm in a punk rock circle and I put out my own record, 
I'm just a, I'm just a DIYer. Like I'm just a punk rock do it yourself guy. But, but the, the writing industry, like the literary industry had such a problem with that. They still in 2016, like have this whole like shame based thing of, of uh, talking about vanity publishers. No, we're just doing it ourselves. We don't need you gatekeepers anymore. What's so weird about that is that Cory Doctorow has been around for how long now and has put out how many books by himself? Well, he does have a publisher. I mean, he has several publishers, actually. Yeah, but he's done a lot of indie stuff. I mean, he he launched as a brand off of Boing Boing. So it's like, here's a blog that he and his friends started that just happened to get popular when blogs are getting popular. And had an audience, and he just started putting. Yeah, he leveraged his independent publishing into a broader deal, but he still yeah, is, right. you know, he still is a, a kind of a self-made brand, so to speak. Uh, yeah. In a lot of respects, well, you think that authors or the just the industry look at him and go, "Well, that's it's possible to have a career, and this isn't just some sort of like flipping I mean, thing," you know? Didn't the Fifty Shades of Grey lady? I mean, I'm not saying that that's like quality literature, but it's like. You know, there's Twilight fan fiction. I mean, the the industry is sneers at the people that they're still raking in money from, you know. Uh, So if you're going to publish that kind of crap that came out of like, you know, uh, like Internet forums, then why then you you can't sneer at like legitimate serious works. And it is my point. My larger point being it is the same with web video and web video series. Uh, The time to sneer at them is long past. Uh They are. You know, just as interesting and well-made as uh, you know, the best stuff out there, and and they're much better than a lot of the garbage out there. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think what we need, and this is a podcast for another day, but we need more services, more companies that are devoted to filtering through everything. Uh, yeah. You know, it's and again, ten years ago, Peter Gabriel of all people started a company called The Filter. That was meant to be this. It was just 10 years ahead of its time. I think they ended up selling it to some other company because they did develop some technology that was really useful, but they could never get the consumer play going just because, or the direct to consumer play just because it was way too ahead of its time. I mean, this is well before Spotify, well before Netflix. Like that, we need that now. Like if I can type in, like I need to go to a site or a service, I type in Stranger Things. And it builds for me a custom playlist of yeah shows other media. That I would like. Yeah, so you're talking about like filters and like curation, really, of that. Yeah, yeah. Or if it's like if I like Cory Doctorow, give me like, and, and maybe there's a smart playlist of books like him, but also who he has not like. Who I want to know who he's reading that he likes. That he's like, if you like right. the way I think, you will like these other authors. Like that would be cool to see too. Like Seth Godin kind of does a lot of that himself. But yeah. I want to see that at large for everybody else. You'd think we'd be swimming in in companies and services and apps that do this, and I just haven't seen them. It's weird. Well, I'll, <laughs> it brings up a, a problem you and I discussed that I wrote sort of a column on this. Uh, so I, I write a weekly music column for a, a service blog called songcast.com. Um, and I just I just write about music making. Which, full disclosure, happens to be one of our clients. Uh 
uh, my little agency I run, Strategic Blend, is actually, and we, I'll, I'll just long story short, we they were using a, a blog author and that had sort of run its course. So I, when I knew they were looking for something new, we tapped Todd and it worked out really well because what you're writing is, again, I, this is going to sound like just a giant circle jerk podcast, but seriously, like it, the stuff that you submit every week and Mark and I, you know, we, we treat it like we're editors of a magazine. We're like, well, you know, it's, it actually, it's really great stuff. And you actually come at it from an indie artist perspective. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't trying to turn it into like a, a circle jerk in that way. Why not? But no, I appreciate. Like- I was trying. I was going to be coy about it to make the larger point of. I wrote an article that you and I had discussed about, uh, like when we talk about those paradigm shifts happening, and one of the things being we don't need any more. Like we've basically solved distribution on the internet, and we've yeah. solved production in certain ways. I mean, there's always improvements to be made, but um, what we need are like are those are those those middlemen the like marketers who are gonna go find the stuff that's already being independently created yeah and yep. and amplify it to a larger audience and it seems like that to me and I'm a little outside that but I, I interact with it every day it seems like that's the thing that hasn't quite caught up to the production and distribution future that we're in whereas it you know it's like there's plenty of marketing places that want to take money from indie authors, for example, and help yeah. them market and build their platform and stuff. And it's like, no, the platform's already built. It's called Amazon. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I just think that's the weirdest thing to me when people talk about building an author platform. I'm like, the author platform's <laughs> built. It's there. I can yeah. blog on Amazon. I have an author page on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon. I can pull in separate RSS feeds. People can follow me there. By Jesus the way, Christ. customers trust the reviews on Amazon more than anywhere else. So, you know, and exactly. they all they bought yeah. Goodreads, so it's like, what else do you need? Like, yeah. So exactly, yeah. we don't we don't need to keep reinventing that wheel. We need those people that are interested in marketing, marketing and hyping and stuff to 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 uh, reduce the friction there. You know, stop getting their yeah. money. Like, I think reverse the business model a little bit. You know, stop stop taking the money from the creator to hype themselves and instead amplify creators across like a curated network or something. Well, we've seen it. We've had that cost, you know, in the sponsors or whatever. We've seen it already in comics. Like again, one of the beautiful things I love about my resurgence and interest in comics is that so many lessons that other media industries can learn have already been fully explained in comics. Imagine if you will, if penguin decided to start an imprint and they call it, you know, something new and interesting that actually has a meaningful. Maybe it's called like, you know, like uh, you know, just riffing off the top of my head, like you know, like um, I can't even think of a good name, but just something that's that is <laughs> cool and artistic and you know, buzzy or like you know, like uh, you know, something that sounds like it, it would be a consumer brand. And the point of that brand is, this is the brand that you're going to find every. If you like Seth Godin books, this is subscribe to this imprint or be a fan or follow this imprint and we're going to find every author that's self-published that is that is of, of the same level or of the same sort of vibe and you know if you like that kind of stuff always come here just like with freaking image or just like with vertigo dc went well shit everybody knows what dc is everybody's really a fan of image let's do a, an image like independent imprint called vertigo and it's going to be all the cool kind of you know 
kind of arty art house kind of comics back in the 90s and like why can't publisher like comics it's there like image you and i fully have talked to death about on podcasts about uh, we it, we know if it has that image logo on the back of the spine it's probably worth us checking out now that's the same thing for me and boom of all of all labels so it's like i know if i'm jones and to read something i don't have to go and search and be like what are you looking for i can just go find any comic store that has the you know any shelf that's got all image labels and just go i'll start here and know that something's going to be cool um where's that for book publishers where's that for freaking you think record labels would have figured this out by now that was kind of how labels used to be sort of back in the beginning kind of in the 50s and 60s like you knew some labels had a sort of a, a certain quality to them and we've lost that like well yeah i mean it's i yeah yeah i i take your point um and i don't i i only i only <laughs> i only said well in that <laughs> about to be a devil's advocate tone because i was just about to name um a book publisher that i really like uh is or books Ooh. and they have a really great model it, it's not necessarily creator centric oh, uh, i mean although although the, all the, the creators that are on it are are fantastic and i'm sure they take care of them very well uh it's not kind of open to submissions sort of you know that's what i mean but yeah. um yeah but it, it is they are uh they are print on demand so they don't have to carry a full warehouse but they have shopped out and designed these books that are so superb and i mean i've I've handled a, uh, a fair amount of print-on-demand books, including my own, um, but also you know friends and and just other ones I've picked up and stuff like that. And the OR books are like just superb. Like I love them; they feel so great. They ship them yeah. to you. They're always wrapped in a paper wrapper, so you you open the envelope and then there's just a plain white paper wrapping on a book that's really neat to open it up like a little gift every time, you know. Although when I opened my last one up and. Uh, you know, pulled out a, a, a shirtless uh, uh, cartoon painting of Donald Trump. I was not <laughs> not exactly thrilled with that image, but uh, that was what I ordered. So, uh, um, but they, yeah, they just, they publish really interesting titles and um, like Image, because this was the thing I was going to bring up with Image Comics, is instead of, they don't distribute through the main warehouse being Amazon, but they will give you the title in the ebook format of your choice. Mm -hmm. So if you if you buy the ebook of of Trump Unveiled, um, you can you can decide like I want to download the Kindle version or the PDF version or the you know iBook version and um, and Image does that too. And I think that's just such a great yeah. end run around digital distribution is say like you just come to our website, you order whatever you want, paper or electronic, we got the format for you. So, nice. Well, um, I stand corrected. I want more of these kinds of. Things. I agree. That's yeah. That's my. That's the only reason I went well because because I agree. Like there are people who are doing it right, and I just want more of them. Well, um, it's a great. So so it's kind of set up a nice little segue. Um, it's let's let's talk about what you and I are up to moving forward. Sure. Um, that, yeah, that's and, a good segue. Yeah, because it, what what really this comes down to for these these kinds of books and like you know or or. or is a great brand. I'm, I'm looking at it while we're sitting here, and like they're just doing the books, but they could easily branch out into other. And I'm even seeing it to art and merch. Like they're, they're kind of becoming a great curated brand, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust everything that's on OR. Like even if I'm not into the subject matter of that particular book, yep. And I, I, think, I trust the care that went into them selecting it and putting it on their label. 
And as, as, as you and I have been talking, you know, as we've been doing these shows, and we started the Todd and Taylor show kind of on a whim, you know, we, yeah. we, we set it up in a way that we're like, we told each other, like, okay, we've tried to do podcasts before that were overproduced, over edited, and it just they always fizzled out because we I think we tried too hard. Let's just do one that's low key and we'll just do it and we'll do it. And if we get tired of it, we'll stop doing it. And a year and a half later, we're still doing it. Um, you know, and we've done two seasons now of this show. We've launched another show. We've talked a lot about stuff we like. You are writing a bunch of books. Um, I've gotten into some some video projects. We've actually worked on a little web series ourselves that we're going to talk about soon. Um, and we decided, and we have some friends who, who want to do a bunch of really cool podcasts and have come to us, you know, with potentially producing or helping them with it or helping them launch and market it. So we're like, why don't we create our own label, our own network? And we talked a long time about like, what, what are we going to call it? I was sort of thinking it should be you know, again, it should be something that's cool. It should be something that people, you know, that isn't a corporate sounding name, um, but is recognizable and is interesting and also kind of encapsulates all the things we're trying to do, but also sort of, you know, nicely packages, <laughs> you know, creative and, you know, kind of sci-fi and fantasy stuff and geeky stuff and all this, all these things. Oh, so wanna... many considerations. So, so many. So many, so many ideas. How the hell are they gonna are they gonna do all that? How are they gonna how could they possibly <laughs> label all this stuff? And and I'll tell you, we we it took a while, but we found a name because a lot of the brand names we came up with were already either used or were prominent, you know, YouTube channels or existed in some other mainstream way that would be hard to contend with. Of all the things we tried, we came <laughs> up with one. And 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 this is sort of us unofficially announcing. Uh, oh, I think officially announcing. Officially, we're, this yeah, is officially well, announcing. This is yeah, we're going out on season two and announcing where we're going in the future. And and drum roll, please. What we decided to call it is there. <laughs> I love and, after that buildup. So wait, let's. How do you spell there, Taylor? Do you mean like they are? T H E R E period. <laughs> and you know, we're, what your the official domain name is going to be there.network because not dot net, not dot net dot network because you can buy cool domain names like that now. So we're actually we're setting up home on there.network. It's going to house the Todd and Taylor show, it's going to house Wednesday and Westeros, it's going to house new podcasts that you and I are creating as we speak. Um, one of them being a cool 80s show that's yet to be yeah, named. I'm, I'm, Let's talk about that. So we have not named it, but we have recorded our first episode. Um, yes. And because this episode of Todd and Taylor Show, you will hear before um, this as yet unnamed, which you can now go to there.network, um, which is there, T-H-E-R-E. -E. Taylor said that, but I kind of spoke over him. Um, and we'll just put up a blog post and say, hey, name the show, even though we'll probably already have it named by then. But uh, um, yeah, so it is the – uh, the premise of this is that you have several times mentioned m movies that that allegedly uh, were released in the 80s, um, but I have no memory of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. You, you and the rest of the population <laughs> claim <laughs> that movies like Willow and Labyrinth, <laughs> Flight of the Navigator, Return to Oz, that these are actual movies that everybody was into, but I didn't see them. So, <laughs> so anyway, we have a podcast where uh, Taylor – and our friend Fia Novak, who uh, guest starred on uh, two of our uh, Wednesday in Westeros episodes, um, Fia and Taylor uh, uh, try to jog my memory 
and uh, and describe these movies from the 80s to me that I've missed. And and anyway, so that's our new that's one of our new podcasts. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm, you you on such a great flow, and I, I interrupted yeah, well, you. And like. I'm I am uh, have made no mistake, made no secret about developing an American Gods uh, uh, podcast, which is actually going to be called American Gods Cast. Um, <laughs> I'm probably launch an episode of that in the trademark. Next, yeah, trademark. I'm going to probably launch an episode of that in the next uh, couple weeks, and then when the series actually starts, we're going to run it very similar to Wednesday in Westeros, but you know, detail every American Gods episode, and it'll be interesting because I have read the book, love the book. You have not, and I have so, not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do own it at this point. I own it on okay. a Kindle, on my Kindle, um, but I have not read it, and so we did have some discussion off air. Over whether like so, I think we're going to do a preview episode where I go in not knowing anything, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm such a, a nerd about books over TV shows that I will probably actually read the book before the TV show. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, um, that would I actually mean, be interesting to have you because I it's it's settled in my mind for so long that having you read it and watch it kind of in, in close proximity will be interesting to see how you take yeah. certain things. Um, we're also you know we're actively reaching out to friends. Maybe you're you're listening now and you have a podcast you want to do. Like we want to be in the business of producing and marketing your show. You know, there's going to be shows that we feel are good fits and some that aren't. So, you know, as, as we talk to people about that, we'll figure out what that, what that looks like. But, you know, in addition to that too, I, I, Todd and I have been talking about this, like at some point, you know, Todd's, all Todd's books would be nice, or at least some of them would be nice to come out under this label. I think you and I have ambitions to do our own comic at some point, whether it be writing or co-writing or, you know, each of us do a separate one that could go out under this. This is really, there is going to be a really cool label for a lot of stuff. Um, that, you know, that is our vision. Yes. Yeah. All centered around, and, and it's going to start with podcasts, but it's going to branch out into other stuff uh, slowly but surely, and, and just kind of evolve into this cool collective thing that deals with creativity in some some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. You know, we. And, and, I, I put a question in our notes. I believe you answered it on this other thing that we may or may not announce right now. I think it's worth talking about. Oh, I kind of, I kind of teased it just a little bit earlier, but yeah, we're, yeah. one of the. But I mean, we the, should just say what we've what we've done already. It's just yeah, yeah, not yeah. Finished, but it's been so done. One of the things, so it's going to start with podcasts, but soon, very, very soon, back in March, we actually filmed a web series where we go. A web series, ugh, those yeah. stupid things. Those things, they're not going to be around in years. <laughs> no, we 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 actually, um, and we did it really quick, and we have three episodes, uh basically in the can where we go to different comic book shops and profile them. You know, I think one of the things we've both collectively learned and talking to each other and just kind of in our own explorations is a lot of these shops are really cool, interesting spaces. They have, yeah, it's like every comic book shop has its own personality that generally reflects the people that run that shop. But also I think rubs off on the people that shop there. You know, you you almost kind of, you kind of find your crowd that you're going to hang with. I mean, not, not that we're not, I'm not like a super social comic book shop guy. I don't go in and, you know, uh, uh, I, I chat with the, um, the ladies that run the shop that I go to, but uh, I, I don't socialize there, but um, I do, you know, I feel like I found the one that fits my personality and you likely feel the same way. And so, or, well, that, or you're, you're, maybe you have a shop in your hometown that you're tired of, or you're like, I want something. Yeah. Maybe there's, I swear there's a lot of people who don't even realize the number of shops in their own hometown. Or like, the mood you're in. Like maybe you want to yeah. – like, yeah, maybe you're like, you know what? I just want to go to a filthy comic book shop and dig through thousands of issues from the 80s. Yep. 
those, you know, it's not, or you're like, you know what? I got to go someplace that's clean that I can leave my kid in the front reading a book while I go look at, you know, what's happening in DC's rebirth. Yep. Uh, but I need a nice kid friendly space in the front. Like we are going comic book shop to comic book shop, interviewing the people that, that, make those the magical places that they are absolutely so we've got a web series about that coming coming to there which will be on fair.network very very soon we've got a youtube channel set up we've got social steps set up so we're gonna have this is gonna be a pretty big uh, evolution of i mean what started as the todd and taylor show is now becoming a bigger a bigger beast and and i was gonna say so and you as taylor uh as he started to set this up when he and I started doing the podcast, the idea was we've tried this before and generally the ideas got ahead of the execution of it. And we, you know, we never followed through. And so I think we're both really aware of what a scary thing it is to, I mean, people launch websites all the time. Taylor and I've launched hundreds a piece. Like (laughs) we've been doing this for a long ass time. Like we've done these projects before and often you go in with a lot of energy at the beginning and it's hard to sustain it or whatever. So we've really given a lot of thought to like, how do we do this right? I mean, there was, mm-hmm. there were technical considerations to having different shows go out. Um, so I, I really, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm just as interested as anyone else to see where there will go. <laughs> um, but I, I do like the way we've gone about this process. Really. We've been really thoughtful and we've really talked about this shit for so long and we're so excited to like actually put it out there and let people see it and and grow it Um, feels organic too that's the thing that i like about like this isn't one of those things where you know in days past i might have like this would have been the first idea it's like well we got to do this and this and this and then not even get a single up like we literally have kind of organically backdoored our way into this which feels yeah uh dirty but also feels like really (laughs) it 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 feels it it, it, i feel like this is going to sustain longer than had we just you know tried to set it up this way to begin with like we started like a show that we're like we may not even do this after next week and we ended up doing it and then another show and then another season of the first show and that's like well shoot now this is we've got other ideas and let's do a web series and let's do a little short film maybe or let's do a book or you know like there's all kinds of things and again this isn't just us i'm i'm more excited to start onboarding other people and shows and things than I am to even launch my own stuff. You know, it'll be fun to see kind of what we can build up as far as a catalog or as far as a, you know, a talent pool goes. I think that's, uh, we, we we're definitely sharing that emotion because uh, I think naturally in our, our jobs, which are largely digital face where Taylor um, uh, runs an agency and does a lot of the creative work for that agency. Uh, and I'm a, a, a writer and, and very rarely these days, but sometimes a developer Um uh, I, we like sharing once we, we figure out how to do something and have a best practice for it. We love sharing that. And mm-hmm. so that's, I, we're just kind of extending that to the podcast creative world where we, we, you know, we feel like, Hey, we've got this great thing going. Let's bring our friends into it. Cause we, you know, tell them how to do it, how get them all involved. And I don't know. We just like, we had so much fun too doing the Wednesday and Westeros where we had guest stars that we, we, had to figure out a way to keep that going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where we could be l- per- listeners and audience members rather than participants in exactly. the conversations. <laughs> exactly. That's I, that's actually, and I I can't wait. You know, it's like 
I think some of the branding we're going to do, like we're gonna, everything's going to kind of, it, I, I'm looking at the KCRW model, right? If you uh, subscribe to KCRW, like you're almost subs- kind of like what we talked about with OR, you're subscribing to a, a station of podcasts that you know are going to fit together in a certain yeah. way, are going to be of a certain quality. And you're just like anything that's got that KCRW album art and they all kind of are designed to kind of look like, you know, look the same and fit together. Like, I love that model. And I think like if we can create something that accomplishes that for our own stuff, but then other stuff where like I can subscribe to the, you know, to their network and just listen to cool shit that like I didn't even have a hand in creating, like that would be great. Yeah. Well, and let me let me put a, a technical note in there because we we have looked at a lot of things. Like we looked at Maximum Fun. I love I love them. I love a ton of their podcasts. We've looked at how they do it. We've looked at Fighting in the War Room. Um, obviously, I mentioned their podcasts often, which are Storm of Spoilers and Thought Bubble. Um, or th- those are the two that I listen to the most. Uh, they also have a Fighting Roar Room cast that I don't listen to that much. Um, and gosh, who else did we look at? We looked at like Nerdist and you know Geek and Sundry and all these others and kind kind of tried to figure out how we would do it. So my technical note is you and I really have loved our experience on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And we are going, although we're going to rename the account, so something may, it's potent, there's a pot- potential that current subscribers may have a little hiccup, but we will remain on SoundCloud. Every single episode will go out on one account on SoundCloud. Yep. So like we would love it. If you downloaded the SoundCloud app and found us and subscribed to us on SoundCloud, and that's just and you know and kept it going like on SoundCloud, you'll get every single episode we put out. But, but. those people who might just be into Americans God American Gods cast or might just be into Wednesday and Westeros and don't necessarily want to hear the Todd and Taylor show, those are all going to be separate feeds that you'll find through iTunes and yep. Google Play and Stitcher and uh, they will be Pod Bay and Podbean that you can and, subscribe yeah. to and have yeah. different you know different album artwork. So if you want to subscribe to one or all, SoundCloud will be the the big feed of the everything. Mothership. We'll, we'll still have playlists. You know, you'll still be able to find specific shows very easily. It's you know we're going to you know, continue to organize it uh, as we have, but yeah, well you'll be able to subscribe. Each show will kind of live on its own in in the regular podcasting world too. So that'll be that'll be cool to see yeah so uh, hopefully that hopefully we've we've buttoned up all the details you know there will be more details uh, to come i'm sure we're still at, as of the recording we're still putting the final touches on so when you've heard this the site will hopefully have been launched or you know almost be launched if you're listening to this you know a week or two after we recorded it um but i'm excited this will be fun you know we'll we'll be talking about this for a while so if yeah. you, if you miss details if we miss details i'm sure we'll there will be future episodes of this show and other shows where we continue to talk about their network. It'll and, be, uh, yeah, it'll be know. great to launch season three of the Todd and Taylor show and throughout that season kind of recap what worked and what didn't and what we're changing. You know, like that can kind of be our editorial show of like, yeah. you know, what uh, what's not working for there? How are we going to change this? Because um, there's a lot of little nitpicky details and stuff that, that we've been we, juggling. You know what we should do? Note this just for future reference. We should always do an episode that like is almost like you and I discussing it privately, you know, like we would privately, but just record it for the public so that we can talk about you know, it's just so it's transparent and is actually like an educational tool. Like, well, shoot, this is what we we didn't realize this was gonna happen with advertisers. Crap. Um so and like we just that might be a cool thing to have on record, just like us, you know, kind of 
experiencing this stuff in real time. Like we did when we first, when we started episode, you know, season zero, there was a lot of you and I like, well, what should we use? Should we use this? And maybe it's not interesting <laughs> beyond, you yeah. know, to be on a show, but maybe just like have that, you know, that could be cool to do. Maybe just do a state of the union kind of episode to cap it off, you know, or to start every season, one of the two, you know? Well, and I, I, I don't think you and I have felt restricted in any way, but there's always that feeling of like, when you, start to develop a theme for something, you know, like when you start to develop a sound for a band or like a style yeah. of writing, sometimes you feel kind of stuck in that style or something. And I think maybe we were, we were much, you know, more loosey goosey in season zero, obviously when we were still trying to figure out how to plug stuff in mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's, we're shaking things up intentionally here. So I, I probably would have been hesitant to discuss those behind the scenes things during season one, when I felt like mm-hmm. we got it figured out, let's stop talking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now as we go into season three, yeah, maybe we just have like every once in a while, we have like a 20 minute episode where we go, Hey, what didn't work this week? You know? And like talk about it. Cause I agree. Like I love that open source transparency to everybody. That's, you know, here's what's going on in the there.network. Well, can you imagine, can you imagine if image or, or, uh, or, uh, or, uh, did that like I'd I love would, it. I'd I would, love it. And just now hearing about OR, I would love to go back and be like, you know, the the you know the making of OR, and be like, oh my god, this is what this is where they were in month one. You know, this is where they were after year one. Like it'd be cool to see them develop that network in real time. You know, and I would I would listen to the crap out of those episodes. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, I subscribe to a podcast called Inside the Times, where they uh, the New York Times interviews their writers about big pieces that they've written. Ooh. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and there's a, the New Yorker radio hour, which I, I often enjoy do, does similar things like that. So, um, and in fact, one of my new podcast addictions is, uh, on maximum fun, uh, Adam ruins everything, which is a TV show. Um, Adam Conover, I believe does, it has uh, Adam ruins everything on true TV. And now he's doing a podcast where he can do long form interviews with his subject matter experts. Wow, um, so it's it definitely yeah yeah so it definitely feels like a a behind the scenes kind of thing where you know if you've watched the show and you get like like you know the one I was listening to today he was like yeah I think I talked to you for 90 seconds on the show but he has you know an hour to talk to him about their their uh you know matter of expertise so it's great yeah. so anyway yeah I I love all this uh um let's let's put a uh can we tie it up right there do we have anything do. else yeah all so right. Where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Hey Todd A. Um, and very soon, although, <laughs> although I'm really hesitant to say it right now. Oh, and find uh, beliefandnot.org. There you go. Um, and I'll, I'll save my very soon till whenever I actually do it. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, at Taylor Trask. And also very soon, taylortrask.com will soon be uh, back in its full glory. But more important than that, uh, ToddandTaylor.com will still be running. It'll just point to our show uh, episodes. And from here on out, there.network um, is the website, and you'll find our socials there. This is going to be the fun part. It's trying to, it's trying to oh use my gosh. there. We, we've, like, we've said this out loud to each other so many times that I don't think it affects us, but now we're both feeling like what it sounds like to an audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did we I mean, really – we must have had a conversation about choosing a widely known homonym – as as a network name, right? Yeah, we did, we did. But to be fair, I mean, there are, I mean, uh, there, we there, did like the pun aspect of it a bit. 
And when you see, like, and it's there, period. I mean, that's usually, but like our, our social handles are usually find us there. So twitter.com slash find us there, Pinterest exactly. slash find us there. So you'll, uh, as, as this exists and settles in, it'll be, it'll, you'll, it'll be comfortable and interesting to, to yes, kind of it is and, there like a location, not a conjunction or a possessive. Exactly. Pronoun. There. Yeah. Where is it? It's, it's over find, there. Find us there. That's All right. right. Well, uh, that was, that was cool. Fun. Let's we'll talk to you guys next yeah. time. We'll see you. We'll see you there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to edit that. <laughs>